Inform Simplicity Project, a place for learners. Today, we have the audio blog, How to Become a Wealthy Therapist. After I finished my PhD program, I was unsure about what to do next. I felt I needed another mountain to climb. When I thought about it, it seemed that there were a few obvious things I needed to learn. One of those was fitness, another was nutrition, a third was money. I picked money partly because I knew we'd be starting a family soon and I wanted it to provide for us, and partly because it seemed if I understood money that I'd have time for the other two. So for the past seven-ish years I've studied money, I'd like to share what I've learned. Most people struggle with money problems. If what I've learned can help, then I want to help. I don't want people needlessly struggling when the solution exists. So I've distilled what I've learned into what I call the nine laws of money mastery. I believe the laws laid out below are so powerful that I'll probably become a millionaire by 2032. Here are the nine laws of money mastery. I hope they serve you. One, the law of independence. The goal of money is financial independence. Financial independence is when you have so much cash and assets that they can cover your spending for the rest of your life. This is the goal of money and why you work. This, for some reason, also is a hard sell in my circles. When I mention this to most people, they don't seem interested. It's like they don't want financial independence, or maybe they don't believe it's possible. Honestly, I have no idea why it's such a hard sell. It just baffles me. The ironic thing, though, is we all know this. At some point, we will stop working, and when that happens, when we hit 65 or whatever, we will live off of our investments, pension, savings, social security, or some combination thereof for the rest of our lives. So we know that the goal of money is to have enough that you don't have to work anymore. By acknowledging this fact, that there's a finish line, we can be proactive about it instead of reactive. Instead of waiting until we are forced into retirement, Hoping we have enough, we can identify our number now and work towards that finish line. So, how do you get there? Two, the law of the gap. You can either lower your expenses or make more money. To become financially independent, you have to grow the gap between what you spend and what you earn. There are only two ways to do this. The first is to lower your expenses. I know Americans who've moved to Southeast Asia where it's dirt cheap to live. With a couple grand in the bank, they live like kings for years. You can also lower your expenses right here in the States. You can live in an RV and only eat cooked, home-cooked meals and never watch movies or dream of, and only dream of avocado toast. Some people do that. For most people, living on less is not the best option. Yeah, if you're a 26-year-old tech worker, you can cut expenses to the bone and save 80K a year. But if you're, say, a dad of three who wants the option to put your kids in private school, then you can't cut enough to reach financial independence. You've got to use the second way. Make more money. So, how do you make more money? Three, the law of problems. You make money by solving problems. You make money by solving problems. For me, this was a really hard idea to understand. I think it's because, like, in school, the homework never connected to real-life problems. 
And when I worked at a computer, computer tasks were always removed from any real result. So the idea that everything I was doing was really to solve a problem, and that's why I was getting paid, well, it just didn't make sense. It was like saying the grass was angry. I understood the words, but the sentence had no meaning. So I'm going to walk you through an example. Maybe this will help. If for some reason I lost my job and needed to make money, I'd buy a power washer for 400 bucks. Then I'd go door to door and tell people I was power washing driveways. On my street, there are like 40 houses. If I knocked on all of them, I'd probably get two to three sales. Power washing for medium-sized driveways in this area runs for about $300. So I'd make $600 to $900. Then I'd go to the next street and do it again and make $600. Then I'd go to the next street and do it again. Then I'd do it again. And let's say I averaged four driveways a week max. Well, if I worked 48 weeks, that's 300 for each driveway times four a week times 48 weeks in a year, it comes out to being about $57,600. That's right, $57,600 a year. Solve a problem, get paid money. Think about the therapists you know. Are they worried about passing the NTE? Are they struggling to find an, an office space? Are they confused about how to start their own private practice? Do they struggle with accounting? Do they miss their deadlines for CEs? Do they want to get more clients? Do they complain about insurance panels? Do they wish they could go, they could get private pay clients only? There are literally dozens of problems therapists have. Solve one and you can make a living. But you have to know which problems to pick. For the law of value, you don't get paid based on hard work get paid on how valuable the problem is. A lot of my friends complain about how hard they work and how little they get paid. I'm going to tell you something I don't have the heart to tell them. It doesn't matter how hard you work. Hard work won't make you money. You get paid in proportion to how valuable the problem you solve is. And a huge part of value is the skill required to solve the problem and how scarce the solution is. For instance, Air is really important. We all need to breathe it. But air is abundant and easy to produce. So as long as you're healthy, you're not paying money for air. It has no value to you. The flip side is that some things that take skill to produce and are also scarce are super valuable. So if you're having trouble breathing, well, your body doesn't have the skill to absorb oxygen, which is a problem. So you'd be willing to pay tons of money for one of those medical oxygen systems. This is why therapists will always get paid more than the front desk staff. The front desk staff at the group practice does important work. But when you look at it through the lens of scarcity and skill, they're easily replaced. In fact, many EHRs do what secretaries used to do. On the other hand, to do therapy, you have to have a master's degree and a professional license, which not everyone has. So there's scarcity. Both working hard.
In fact, the front desk staff might be working harder, but it doesn't matter because that's not how the game works. Pick the problem that requires skill and scare solutions. Then, apply leverage. Five, the law of leverage. Once you can solve a problem, apply leverage. A friend of mine ran a Walmart. He made something like 80K a year with the potential to bonus 40K. So his annual pay before taxes was 120K. Sounds like a lot of money, right? Well, he was working 100-hour weeks. That's two and a half jobs. If you do the math, his hourly pay was like 24 bucks an hour. That's common for high-paying jobs. You get paid a ton, but then you work constantly, which means you're not really getting paid a ton. You just have three jobs. Most people I know hope they can work hard enough to make a ton of money. But the truth is, the more you're paid, the more work your employer expects from you, and you're very quickly going to run into an upper ceiling. The alternative is to use leverage. Leverage is anything you can do to amplify your efforts. So if you're a therapist, you could use money to amplify your efforts by buying another therapy practice. You could use labor to amplify your efforts and hire someone to do your billing and a few interns to see clients. Use code to amplify your efforts. Every week, Simple Practice saves me time on billing. This allows me to spend more time on seeing clients, which actually brings money in. You could use media to amplify your, your efforts. I could create an online course about how to practice, about how to start a practice. Everyone with an internet connection could be a potential customer. Leverage is the key to becoming rich. So once you're rich, what do you do with all your money? Six, the law of safety margin. Save for a rainy day, avoid debt. Once you're rich, you got to stay rich, which means saving your money. The purpose of savings is to have a margin of safety. When I worked in the geriatric psych ward, I had to run a group. So I'd ask the patients an opening question like, how many siblings do you have? They'd respond, you mean alive or dead? That's when it struck me. If you're lucky enough to live a long time, you will be struck by tragedy. You'll get cancer, your house will burn down, or you'll lose your job. Something will happen. In those moments, you don't want to worry about money. You want to be able to take care of yourself without worrying about if it will bankrupt your family. To do this, you need a margin of safety, which in money means having savings. There are different ideas about how you should save, but my general rule is you should have enough saved that you won't touch your assets. 7. The Law of Assets Take the money you've earned and store it in assets. So you can make money because you can solve a problem. And you got rich because you applied leverage to your solution. And you stay rich because you have substantial savings. The next step is to build wealth. Wealth is when you have your money make you more money. You create wealth by buying assets. Assets are things that go up in value and give you cash. For instance, say you bought a house and rented it out. Well, houses over time go up in value. If you bought a house for, let's say, 250 k 
in 10 years, you could sell it for more. Let's just say 500 k Also, while you're renting it out, you're collecting all the cash from the rent. So if rent is 2 k a month, each year you're collecting $24,000 in cash. That means in 10 years, you made $240,000 from the rent, $250,000 from the sale of the house. You made half a million dollars from buying, a, from buying that home. That's why real estate is an asset, and assets are the path to wealth. In the U.S., there are three main types of assets. Real estate, bonds, and stocks. Most people are confused by investing. It's, and it is complex, but it's also learnable. For instance, if you're a therapist, you could buy a house and rent out rooms so other therapists can use it as an office space. A guy I know does that, and clinicians pay 500 bucks per month. He's got eight rooms. So he's making four grand a month or $48,000 a year. That's real estate. Bonds are a fancy word for a loan. When you use your credit card, you borrow money from Visa, and you pay them for the privilege to borrow their money. That's interest. You could do the same thing with a counseling practice. If you know someone starting a practice, you can loan them $10,000, and they would pay you for the loan, say, 500 a year. Then in 10 years... They give you back the total $10,000 that you loaned them. Which means that if they paid you $500 for 10 years, that's $5,000. That's $5, so you made $5,000 by giving them a loan. Stock is just ownership in a company. If you know someone starting a practice, you could say, I'm going to give you $10,000. And I get 5% of all profits because I'm a co-owner with you. If their practice makes $100,000 a year, you get 5K a year because you're a co-owner. So that's real estate, bonds, and stocks. So take all your riches, store them in assets. That's how you make wealth. Eight, the law of enough. What's your enough number? For some people, talking about wealth feels greedy. I want you to put a number to what you think of when I say wealth. What if I asked other people to do this, they usually can't do it. They say things like, I don't know, maybe 100K a year? Or, well, you know, a million isn't what it used to be. Or, I think it's so much that you can't screw it up. Like, like a billion dollars. All of these are not an actual number. Let's talk hard numbers. What's your, what's your wealth number? And honestly, if you don't write this down right now, if you don't say it aloud right now, you're not going to get the full effect of this. You have to write down or say aloud what your number is before we go any further. Okay. So I trust that you said yours. I'm going to run you through my numbers roughly. I live with a family of five on 50K a year. I feel like I live like a king. I invest conservatively in the stock index, which matches the average return of the stock market. If you Google, what's the average return of the stock market? Google says 
50k a year, 50k is 10% of 500k. That means if I can invest in a stock index, it will give me on average 50k a year. So if I can get 50k, I can basically live on my investments forever. That's a lot less money than most people think you need. And it gets better. As a therapist in private practice, it's totally possible to make 100K a year seeing 20 clients a week. So if I could work 10 hours a week and make 50K, that would still cover my expenses without me touching my investments. And my investments would still compound. So what's my enough number? Well, 50K is plenty of money to cover my expenses. So my enough number is 500K. Granted, I still have to get to 500K, which I'm not at, but getting to 500K is totally possible if you can solve a problem and then apply leverage. Nine, the law of giving. Teach others to make money. That's how you make the world a better place. I don't think the point of life is to get wealthy. I do believe that until you have wealth, money is almost always a barrier to the most important things of time, options, and freedom. I want the option to send my kids to private school. I don't know if you will, but I want the option. I want the option to spend as much time with my mom as possible. She's not getting any younger. I'm not there yet. But learning this stuff and having some savings and having a good job has put my mind much more at ease. For me, understanding all of this has made me more grateful. And I want to give back. And that's why I wrote this, so that you can benefit from all that I've learned, and hopefully you can live a more free life. My hope is that when you do the same, when you arrive, you can pass on what you've learned so you can help the next person ascend the mountain a little quicker than you. So, practically, what do you do? What's your next step? Honestly, I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor. Here's what seems to make the most sense to me. Level one, get more education. I'm under no illusion that this post is so perfect that you will know everything you need to know. This is just the bedrock, just the foundation. So check out this interview by Vicki Fountain. She does an excellent job of helping people understand how we trade our time for money every day. I'll put the link below. Also, level two, find your enough number. You need to understand your personal money flow. So look at your bank statements and credit card bills and see how much you spent last month. Then multiply that number by 12. If you want a bit of extra, a bit of wiggle room, multiply it by 15. Now you know how much money you spend and how much money you need per year. Follow that up with listening and learning more from J.L.H. Collins. He's a great thinker in the space of financial independence. And third, level three, solve a problem. About a year ago, I saw this tweet from a guy named Jack Butcher about making $1 online. It totally changed the way I thought about money. And in many ways, it was the beginning of everything for me. 
I invite you to do the same. Do something for someone else who you find through the internet, and ask them for a dollar in exchange. If you're struggling to come up with ideas, just think through what are the problems that you can solve, right? What are the problems that therapists have? I have a list of these problems on my website, so you can go and check out this blog post. And at the bottom, you'll see a list. It doesn't really matter what you do, honestly. Just do one thing for one person and charge one dollar. It's the beginning of changing your mindset. That's all. This is Jordan the Counselor, wishing you the best.